0: In today's episode, we bring you two couples. They are both from different generations, but they approach relationship from a tantric lens. Andy and Johanina are in their 70s. Through past relationships that came and went, they stayed in touch, they stayed friends. And then more recently, they saw one another in a new light and dared to love again
1: when we come together it's not just skin and it's not just parts and it's not just a goal of some kind of you know getting off or climax it's a full experience of energy and emotion and playfulness and all manner of connecting and that it doesn't end In the bedroom.
0: Like Andy and Joe Hanina, Grace and Corwin, our second couple, are in their twenties and they practice a Taoist tantric sexuality. And they see relationship as an art form that's always evolving.
2: We didn't have sex for five months. It was this time of taking sexuality out of the equation so that a relationship is more with just eye gazing and having really intense orgasms without touching each other.
3: One of our practices is really harmonizing the giving and receiving without even penetration or traditional penetration. I just feel like if there's a consistent flow of the give and the receive and if that's in harmony then that creates this field of harmony within the bedroom and outside of the bedroom or wherever we're having sex, which isn't always in bedroom.
0: My name is Andy Horning, and this is Elephant Talk. It's a show about all things relationship, the soulful, the silly, and the sexy. We met in
1: 1989 at a mutual friend's birthday party. We were both in relationships with other people, What I remember is that I liked you, and I felt drawn to you, and we got together. Uh, The two couples got together, and we had dinner, and we socialized a bit. And then our paths, we went in different directions, and we didn't see each other for several years. And then I was going through a divorce, and I moved to Petaluma, where we now live, and you had been living in Pataluma, and we had dinner one night.
4: Which I hardly remember.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think some time went by. We were at a Christmas, some holiday party, and spent a lot of time in a small group of people talking. And I remember I kept finding myself sitting next to you. For some reason, this
4: I remember. I remember we were sitting in like high benches, yeah, like bar stools, bar stools. Even though it wasn't a bar, yeah. <laughs> and it was just a pleasure to talk with you and and be with you and catch up on uh-huh. things.
1: You you always felt familial to me, not just familiar, but but like family, tribe,
4: tribe, yeah,
1: yeah. And you were in a new relationship.
4: With someone who had gone to your high school.
1: At that time, I was in a relationship with someone who had cancer, got sick soon after we got together. Over the course of the next year, he got very sick and, and died. We reconnected during Stephen's illness.
4: During that time, my relationship was coming to a completion in Chicago, and I was coming back to the Bay Area, and we again...
1: We had lunch. We had lunch,
4: and the word new is the one that resonates for me because when you're talking about the process of Stephen dying, and I just looked at you with like new eyes and and heard you with new ears and thought, wow, what an amazing person. Mm -hmm. But again, it wasn't like like in a romantic sense or like, oh, this is somebody I want to go out with or be with. It was just what an amazing person.
1: That day, it was, I had a sense of, oh, knowing you over a long period of time, I got to see you in a new way. And that kind of marked something for me. At some point, we recognized there was something happening between us. One of us said, This feels like falling in love. And then one of us said, But it's too soon. And then One of us said, well, what is it too soon for? And so we named it. It's too soon to be lovers. It's too soon for a relationship.
4: But But it's not too soon for falling (laughs) in love.
1: We said, we'll just let this be what it is and not turn it into something else. And then we kissed.
4: And then we kissed.
1: (laughs) We kissed in our kitchen in a certain spot, that spot is a touchstone for us. So we go back to that spot when we feel like we need to remember the love and the, the romantic connection.
4: That moment in the kitchen is when our essences created a new kind of dance together and started forming the foundation of our relationship. There's something steady in our essence connection, it's well, stronger and deeper. Telling it now from the place we are reinforces the richness, the depth, the rightness of our being together. And that's something that has continued to build. We had some things to work out the first couple of years uh, that we decided to be together as a couple. Stuff that came up, triggers, pa- you know, patterns that we needed to work out
1: like clunky baggage that we were carrying around. Really, we were tripping over them in the first few years of our relationship. I think we have kind of thinned it out to a way that we just don't, we don't fall over it so much as we, you know, we kind of run into it.
4: But having worked it out, to tell the story reinforces, again, I'll use the word, the rightness of our being together. I mean, I'm I'm feeling very tingly and looking... Looking at you and <laughs> just loving you in, a, in, in such a deep way and rich way.
1: We've gotten really good at uh, making repairs quickly, recognizing what we're doing that is not kind.
4: It's more like a little match lighting now when stuff comes up, as opposed to like a huge bonfire that's gonna burn down the house.
1: Well, we almost did burn down the house. (laughs) I mean, you know, (laughs) we ran into patterns that we each had that just fit perfectly into one another in a very negative way.
4: I started going into some behaviors that really were self-destructive for me and also self-destructive for the relationship around how I was handling money and this triggered your huge stuff from your childhood, I got really stubborn. And what happened for you?
1: (laughs) I unconsciously started acting out my own family patterns.
4: It broke down the partnership.
1: You became my enemy, and I became your enemy. We needed to separate for a bit to sort it out.
4: Getting help sooner might have been you know perhaps, might have helped. yeah,
1: perhaps it, yeah,
4: we were always talking, we knew, we mm-hmm. did not talk, but but we still recognized the bond between yeah. us, yeah, and that's what that was made it even more frustrating at times, and poignant is that we still had this bond, and there was something we really needed to clear to. Mm to move forward as a, as a partnership, as a couple.
1: The time apart was to get some perspective on what was going on for me. You know, you did amazing work personally for yourself that completely turned things around and enabled us to recognize how connected we were. We found ourselves at one point, we were kind of, I said, I feel like I'm following you Around the house, like a little duckling following its mother, and you said, "Oh, I I thought I was following you around the
4: house." <laughs> and what we realize is that we want to be close together, to each other. Yeah, I had to let go of a major obsolete identity that was getting in the way of the relationship. That I was holding on to a certain self-image from the past that was not serving me and was not serving us that there's an us that has become more important than the me in terms of the relationship as an entity in itself and we need to serve the relationship i need to serve the relationship and sometimes that means letting go of who i think i I, i'm supposed to be or Hmm. was supposed to be or my own self-image is a question I live with every day in the present. How can I love you more? How can I be a better partner? Uh, how can I be kinder to you and to myself also?
1: We're imperfect human beings, and we we mess up, and things come out of our mouths that you know we hear, and we go, oh, <laughs> let me do that over.
4: <laughs> and I'm really good at that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We come from backgrounds where a lot of times love was banter and sarcasm and teasing. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. It didn't feel good as a kid, but that's all we knew. The sarcasm, teasing, and banter, it masquerades as cleverness, as one-upness, as... Making
1: a joke about something rather than being... um, Uh, direct uh, and speaking from how you're feeling
4: it usually covers some kind of vulnerability in the moment where if I'm Mm -hmm. feeling a little little scared or even weak ooh, God forbid, weak or needy, then I've got to make a joke about it or one up you in some way to avoid feeling the vulnerability of that moment Mm -hmm. and I don't want to do that anymore. I don't think you do either.
1: My personality got stuck around being right and seeing the glass half empty. So I can be critical and judgy, and it fits right into your, your patterns of being a little passive-aggressive. One of the ways that we have gotten better with this is to really feel what that feels like. And that takes stopping in the moment and feeling in the body where the pain is, and rather than keeping it going, just saying.
4: The resilience, the bounce back is not avoidance or emotional disconnection. It's recognizing what's important what's what's going on. What really matters. Yeah. Well what recognizing what happened and what then what really matters. Instead of either indulging or pouting or inflating
0: Who doesn't have baggage from a previous relationship? Perhaps very new couples at an early stage in life. Certainly, Andy and Joannina, in their 70s, have had lots of relationships, and so therefore there's lots of baggage. What's different is that there's a level of humility, a level of courage in owning their baggage. What's also true is you can see them finding some sexiness, some joy, some pleasure, some sensuality as septuagenarians. That's pretty incredible.
1: We were talking about our relationship, kind of doing an inventory a few days ago, and we were saying how we're best friends and great housemates and...
4: Working partners.
1: Working partners and husband and wife and...
4: Doggy parents.
1: Doggy parents (laughs) and step-parents to each other's children. But we felt that... An area that we hadn't been paying enough attention to was the lovership. And that one of the reframes that we've made in the last few days is calling each other lover rather than honey.
4: To remind ourselves.
1: To remind ourselves that we are lovers and that we want to be lovers.
4: Regardless of our age.
1: Yes, (laughs) right. As we continue to mature. And what does it mean to be lovers? At 70. Yeah. In my journal was my travel notes from a trip to India about 10 years ago, where I went on a tantric quest in search of a teacher. We each have spent time studying and learning both ancient yogic traditions of tantra and modern interpretations of Tantra, I think the basic piece that we have taken that I think is the kind of foundational piece is presence. Being able to drop into being present with each other is our practice, really. You know, it's not a complicated, technique-oriented way of being with each other. But it it is an important aspect of how we connect with each other emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And spiritually, yeah. One of the things that really helps us is we have a practice that we do called yoga of touch, it's a non goal oriented way of being tactily, physically present with each other. And it's a partner in meditation that includes touch.
4: I like a lot of music analogies. So for me, it's harmony. It's rhythm. The rhythm of my breathing, being present to that, being present to you as I look at you and I see you breathing. Feeling the harmony of our energy, of of our love for each other. And really attuning and aligning to that. It's not a complicated practice. It's our commitment to appreciating as many moments as possible because we don't know how many we're going to have. The idea that our relationship is improvisation. We've never been here before. A lot of it we're making up as we go along. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. And the other image around that is a dance. and, And I want to dance You know, I want to dance with you and discover new steps.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The practices of Tantra are energetic more than um, technique. I recognize that you are an energy being. You recognize I am a, a being with energy. And when we come together, it's not just skin. And it's not just parts. And it's not just a goal of... Some kind of, you know, getting off or climax. It's a full experience of energy and emotion and playfulness and all manner of connecting, and that it doesn't end in the bedroom.
4: I'm in an orgasmic <laughs> state right now. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm just sitting here vibrating and enjoying this and, yeah. and loving looking at you yeah. and listening to you. And
1: yeah, I mean, that, that is part of me, right? the, you know, the whole tantric worldview, is that, is that everything is pulsating. pulsating. And the genital orgasm, I like to say that the genital, genital orgasm is just one aspect of that pulsation.
4: I'm pulsating right now. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Andy and Johanina do a beautiful job talking about connecting physically, sensually, and even spiritually. I love it when Andy says they view their relationship as an improvisation. It's this organic thing where they've never been here before. Certainly we like to view conversations here at Elephant Talk as just that, organic improvisations. But wow, what if we looked at relationship as if it were an improvisation? Grace and Corwin are in their 20s and similar to Andy and Johanina who view relationship as a dance, Grace and Corwin view it as an art piece where they both have paint brushes or sculptor tools or whatever metaphor you want to use, but they talk about balancing and sharing and harmonizing the energies within a relationship.
2: Being in relationship, for me, it's just an experience of like an art piece you get certain ideas and what if we try this out, and what if we try this out, and and what do I want, and what do I need, and then seeing how that relates to what Grace wants.
3: I feel like it was last, you know, in the December when we talked about relationship being an art piece, it was that conversation that we had that... Sparked, oh, we're creating something here together, and I'm going, I'm here for it, and I want it to be revolutionary. And so, for me, like a really big intention of our relationship is moving from what I see as dysfunctional relating to functional relating. I feel that we live in a world that is full of dysfunctional relating between lovers, between parent and child, between person and plant, so...
2: My idea of revolutionary is not going into a new structure, but what if we were to get out of structure altogether? A lot of people, I feel like, ask us if we're in a polyamorous relationship or open relationship or a monogamous relationship, Mm -hmm. and I say no. (laughs) We are acknowledging our deep connection with each other and supporting each other fully, but we don't have to put parameters on it.
3: I feel like there's this rebellious or anarchist like in me or something like, yeah, fuck structure and I love that part of me and if we don't have the structure of the ground of communication, nothing can flower or grow and so...
2: Maybe more than getting out of structure, it's like this constantly evolving structure Mm. Just as a tree really. grows, it has patterns, but there's fluidity in which way it grows and how it grows, and maybe I wouldn't say completely getting out of structure, but constantly reforming the structure that we're a part of together.
3: It reminds me of a conversation that we had somewhat recently where I was experiencing doubt about our relationship. You just said, it's not really up to us because we're surrendering to something that's coming through us.
2: It was this idea, because we're both artists and we have a lot of mediums of art, a lot of artists thought, it's like, wow, everything's art, physical, visual, or sound art. But then what about things you can't see or feel? And what about a relationship? Everything we do together and interact with each other is important. We have to be conscious of it because there's an entity that we're creating called a relationship.
0: How many times I've asked couples in therapy sessions to view their relationship as a third entity within them? It's not just about you and me, but it's also about this thing, this third entity that we're creating together. And Grace and Corwin describe that beautifully. They also talk about the strong value that they place on communication, how it is a focus of their relationship.
2: Part of our meeting story too was we slept together but we didn't actually have sex. And we didn't have sex for five months while we were basically in a relationship. We both practiced certain Taoist sexual techniques that were synchronistically the same. It was this time of taking sexuality out of the equation so that a relationship is more. You can have sex without even touching each other. And we've actually, with just eye gazing and having really intense orgasms without touching each other, then you're not guided by your genitals all the time, which just need and want and consume and instead guided by your heart.
3: Well, so there's a connection between genital and heart and... I love that story of how we didn't have sex for five months. I feel that it's this little secret that when I tell people, they're like, what? (laughs) And and for me, that time was really rich with the unwinding of that conditioning, because in a lot of my previous relationships, there is that cultural pattern of, oh, you like them, right? And then you act on it, and then you have sex, and it's this routine pattern. We were just tuned in, we were just like it doesn't feel right right now and I still love you and want to still befriend you and get to know you and I'm attracted to you, and just the trusting and surrendering to that. In terms of balancing energy, I feel one of our practices is really harmonizing the giving and receiving without even penetration or traditional penetration both of us really being able to guide the energy. So if I'm pleasuring you and I'm in a more active role and you're in a receptive role and you fully surrendering to that and I'm fully surrendering to that activity of that and then reversing that where I'm fully surrendering to you and you're pleasuring me, I just feel like if there's a consistent flow of the give and the receive and if that's in harmony, then that creates this field of harmony within the bedroom and outside of the bedroom or wherever we're having sex, which isn't always in bedroom. I was
2: thinking of making a bumper sticker. This is good sex equals good communication because it kind of goes against what people think. Communication often ruins the mood and it can, but done deliberately or maybe beforehand or after can bring so much more aliveness because oftentimes we're just guessing, what do you want? Or what do I want? And... Rather than guessing, just bringing that up into a very clear, communicative way, and it, and it can change too.
3: Just to kind of give a larger context to what we're talking about, I personally studied through the lineage of Montauk Chiyo, which is like a Taoist sacred sexuality, healing Tao practice. It's called Healing Love. It's a way of, yeah, using sexuality as a spiritual practice. Not just seeing as sexuality as something that happens on the physical form, but something that can really be utilized in my body to bring me to an enlightened state of being, an enlightened state of health. It's really consciously working with it. And when I was studying this, my teacher was basically just like, oh, you're never going to find somebody who also knows this practice you're just going to always have to teach your partner these like certain ways of circulating the energy or certain ways of holding it like it's a perspective that I carry into my sexual experiences that I didn't before I started studying this and then I met you and that was one of the first things we connected on was like wait what you've studied very similar lineage it's (laughs) it was amazing, my teacher was totally blown away and surprised and so was I.
2: Well, part of the men's practice is not ejaculating and still having way more intense orgasms than if I were to ejaculate. And then there's times to ejaculate because that energy builds up so much in me that it's, I mean, I just become like an animal and I could explode. Like you need to dip into a more feminine state and relax and to really accept that calmer state because I always wanted to be super crazy and vital and
0: alive. What I love about Grace and Corwin is their commitment to learning and growing and using sex as a form of surrender and pleasure and just getting curious and seeing it as this beautiful path of discovery.
3: For me, I feel like we're, we're really in this incubating phase. I remember that conversation that we talked about earlier when we were in the fireplace room and we talked about relationship as an art piece.
2: Yeah, I think that intention part is a really unique part of our relationship as well. There's letting go to that mystery. Then it's also how can we use this relationship as a vessel to explore the places we want to explore. One aspect I feel like is sexuality. Uh, seeing sexuality as what it is. Sexual energy is the creative life force. Part of our sexual practice, too, is intending where do we want to put this sexual energy and then asking each other for what we want, getting rid of the shame of asking for exactly what you want.
3: I remember one time we are sitting by that river.
2: We were playing with the water on your body and then We started asking, what do you want?
3: And we just played that game. I mean, it's like a game of, okay, now it's my turn. I'm just going to sit here and listen to you. And what do you want? And it's like, I want you to just like really lightly just like stroke up the side of my leg like this. And then you being like, okay, like I can give that. And then switching.
2: And then permission to ask for whatever. I could ask for a massage or For you to kiss my toe.
3: It's a way of tending to our bodies together, which I feel like builds trust and builds intimacy and communication, that open communication.
2: My hope is that we're cultivating and building sexual energy at all moments of the day.
3: And right, that there's different ways to having sex. So even having this conversation is having sex in a certain way. What is really having sex if we're... Opening up and we're being vulnerable and we're listening to each other's bodies. I feel like I've been tracking my body and your body this whole time. Where something feels off between us or there's a charge. And one practice that we do together is entering into it non-verbally in a way. Witnessing an expression. Because I feel also in relationship, it's what do we really want as human beings? We really want to be seen and heard. I'll sit and simply just witness you as you express through movement, through sound, through words, and I'll just simply witness and without any sort of reaction or expression back, and then when you feel complete, then I'll be in the expression role and you'll be in the witnessing role, and we've done that in a variety of different ways, and I feel like that's really helped. There's some kind of interesting energy that we are both picking on up between us, and We just like danced it out (laughs) and it felt really resolved after that, I remember. And that was amazing for me because I was like, wait, it doesn't always have to be verbal.
2: (laughs) I feel like that's a great basis for our our relationship because I think what we're trying to do is be a support for each other to Mm -hmm. find our fullest expression in whatever way that means.
0: Grace and Corwin certainly demonstrate the beauty of intentional commitment to one another, to their relationship. Courageous enough to think outside the box, to not engage with one another in a really traditional way, and their their willingness to be open and creative around what it means to communicate. Let's not just use words. What I noticed is that for them, That brings a deeper level of communication, an embodied communication, if you will. And as a result, their trust with one another, their trust in the relationship is greatly enhanced. Thank you very much. I'm grateful for Andy and Johanina and also to Grace and Corwin for being willing to sit down and share their stories, Please visit our website for additional information about various Taoist and Tantric practices, teachings that were mentioned in this episode. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast. And also review the show, because your feedback is incredibly important and it's greatly appreciated, and it helps us get the word out there about elephant talk the show i'm your host andy horning this is real love this is elephant talk